Welcome to the Simple Church Podcast. We'd like to thank you for taking a few moments out of your day to listen to what God is doing here in Reynoldsburg, Ohio. We hope today's message will be encouraging and uplifting to you. To learn more about Simple Church, maybe you'd like to be our guest for a service, please visit our website at www.simplechurchohio.com. There you'll find more information about us, location, service times, and even online giving opportunities. And now, here's today's message. to be up here again with you guys. Um, my, my palms are sweating, my knees are weak, arms are heavy. <laughs> I'll stop there. I'll stop there. <laughs> no, if, if it is your first time here, I, I pray that you come back next week when Aaron's back up here. Don't judge your whole Simple Church experience on me. Uh, if you haven't met me yet, my name is Shanda, and I am Aaron's better half. <laughs> And uh, he asked me to jump in on uh, this series and speak about one of the women uh, in this Giants of Faith that we've been talking about. And when he first asked me, he asked me to do one of the other women. And I was like, okay. So I started kind of reading up and, and praying about that. And then a week or so later, he was like, actually, do you think you could do close the series and speak about Rahab? I think you would connect better with that message anyway. Right? And if you don't know why I was a little bit offended, I'll tell you. Rahab was a prostitute. So instead of getting offended, though, I, cho- I chose to think that he meant the very best about that. And Rahab's story actually is quite amazing. Uh, she was a prostitute, but she ended up being one of the great-grandmothers of Jesus. And so, as we look back at what these giants of faith are, might want us, might tell us today of how to do things better, we think, what would Rahab want us to know? And I think she might say, well, my story didn't start out so great. It, I didn't like how things were going. Didn't like how they, they were playing out in my life. And how many of us have felt that from time to time, right? I know I have. And scripture says in Psalms that all of our days are written by God before one was ever lived. And some of you might think, this is the story that God has for me? Well, that's not good. Is this this it? Is this all? And the answer is no. God has a beautiful story prepared for you. But how many of you guys know every now and then we might write some of our own chapters? I know I did. We think, you know, if we start writing our own story, and this is, it's disappointing how it's going, that even if we say yes to Jesus, that this, this is it. This is, this is what he has for us, and that even by saying yes, we just have to hold on to this because it's not going to get any better until we get to heaven. And that's just not true. Rahab would say that her story probably started out started out horribly. I don't know why she became a prostitute. Was she forced into it? Maybe she chose it. Did she feel shame or guilt about what she was doing and what was going on in her life? I don't know. But all I know is that she ends up being a grandmother of Jesus. And I think she would tell us 
Let God write your story. Let him do it. Get the pen out of your hand. You know, the scripture that we've been reading about these giants of faith in Hebrews goes on to say that God is the author and the perfecter of our, pay, of our faith. Let him do it. I think we all have that moment in our lives where we realize that we need to get the pen out of our hand. And I know I did. You know, I grew up, I went to church from the time that I was a baby. I loved going to church. I had a good time. I went to youth. I, I served with my family. My favorite way to serve was when my mom taught Sunday school and I would get the little felt people out of the bag that went with the message. Do you guys remember those? Yeah, I'm old. And, uh, but somewhere along the way, I just, I just started writing my own story. And uh, when I was a teenager, my dad was diagnosed with cancer. And I took the opportunity that my mom was busy taking care of him and kind of ran with that. And I started doing some things I ought not to be doing. And I became, I was sneaky. I was very sneaky, which is why I tell my children, you got to really want it to pull one over on mom because I've, I've done it. I've snuck and done it all. And just to show you how sneaky, just to tell a little story about how things were going for me, I, when I was about 16, I think I had just turned 16, I met a boy and I was in love. And this boy was 20 years old. Yeah, I hear, ooh. Yeah, mama and daddy weren't having any part of that. But I didn't care, I wanted to date him, and so I did. I snuck around and I had this secret relationship that no one, was, no one knew about. And then it came time to go to prom, and I was like, Oh, I'm going to prom with this boy. And so me and my girlfriends got together and I just told my mom, hey, I'm just, I'm going to prom with the girls. It's gonna be so fun, just a girls' night out. So fun. <laughs> <laughs> and so we did, we got ready at my house. We took all pictures, girl, girls' night. And then I, we met all of our boyfriends at the school, including my 20-year-old boyfriend. Now. If being 20 and I was 16 doesn't sound bad enough, my sister, who's eight years older than me, much, much older, she was also dating a 20-year-old, who's now her husband for the last 20-some years, but that made it sound even worse, even bigger. So prom was great. We had a great time. About a month later, no one was the wiser until a girl named Crystal Harden, if you're watching, <laughs> Crystal wanted to date my boyfriend, <clears throat> but he wouldn't go out with her because he liked me. And so she took it upon herself to call my mother to rat me out. And I would answer, I answered the phone one day, and this is before caller ID, when phones were still attached to the wall and all this. So I would like break my neck getting to the phone because this chick kept calling my house over and over and over. And so uh, she, I, she would say, can I speak to Sue, please? And I would say, oh, she's busy. Can I take a message? And she'd be like, oh, don't worry. This is Crystal, and I'll call back. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So Crystal caught me out in town one day. She saw me, and she ran to a payphone because we still had those, too. 
And <clears throat> she called my mother and told her. So needless to say, when I got home that evening, mama wasn't happy. And I won't tell you the rest about what went down in my house that day, but it wasn't pretty. So that was just the tip of the iceberg. I, I was sneaking around. I was, I was doing things. I was kind of starting to drink a little bit. And then after high school, things just got much worse for me. Um, especially in my early 20s, I was going out to the clubs every Thursday, Friday, and Saturday nights, which didn't leave much time for church on Sundays. And, and I was drinking a lot, and I would never consider myself an alcoholic at that time, but I could never go out and just have one drink. I went out and I drank till I was drunk. I don't remember a lot of those nights. I, maybe I chose to forget some, I don't know. Um, but it led to, led to a lot of promiscuity um, and ultimately a one night stand that resulted in a pregnancy. So, <laughs> my daughter just woohooed. <laughs> Oh, I love you, baby. But at first, I was scared. <laughs> I don't even know what I was going to say next. Okay. <laughs> okay. So anyway, you know, I was scared. I was scared, and I was alone, and I knew that I was going to have to do this by myself. And... I, I had to have that moment where I realized that I got to get the pen out of my hand. I am making a mess of my story, and I got to give this back to God. And even in my darkness, God will come searching. God came searching for me. God searches for you to be in his story. God always came searching for me. And I, I can remember plenty of times where I felt like, I knew that that's what he was calling me to do, and I just kind of ignored it. And that's what happened to Rahab. You know, she was a prostitute who lived in the wall of Jericho. And this is the time where Joshua was leading the nation of Israel, and Moses is now dead, and they're going out to claim the land that God promised them. And so they were going to go fight Jericho to take that land, but they had to go size it up first. <clears throat> And in Joshua 2, it says, Then Joshua, the son of Nun, secretly sent two spies to go look over the land. And when they entered into the house of a prostitute. Now, can I just pause right there? Is anyone else reading this and saying, these two guys are on a mission, and the first place they go, they stop at the prostitute's house? Is it just me? Okay, moving on. They stopped at the prostitute named Rahab, and they stayed there. Rahab didn't go searching for them. They went searching for her because God had a plan. God made sure that the very place that they snuck into would be her window. And why is that important? Because God has been coming after a bunch of you, saying, hey, isn't it about time you give me that pen back? Aren't you ready for me to rewrite your story? You know, God will stand at the your heart and he'll knock hey isn't it about time how about now how about today but I'll give you a warning God doesn't always do that 
the Bible does say that there is a time where God's spirit does not always strive with man. And even, even for some of you Christians who feel like, you know, you've been, you've been following for a while, but there's something that God has called you to do. And, and you're resisting, you're hesitant. Maybe, maybe just simple things like go to growth track, join a grow group, lead a grow group, whatever those, those things are, serve on the dream team, whatever that he's been calling you to do and you're resisting. And you feel like maybe you're in a dark place, but God's been searching after you. And here's what Jesus says about it. You didn't choose me. I chose you. I appointed you to go and produce lasting fruit. What is all that saying? He's got a plan for you. He's got a great plan for your life. And the second thing I think we would learn from Rahab is God always makes a way for us to be in his story. You know, not only did they come searching for her, but there had to be a way for her to have a rewrite of her very dark story. You know, they came back, they went out and scouted out the land, and after they did their recon work, they came back, and they're like, hey, don't tell anybody we're here. But we're coming back, and we're going to destroy this place. And Rahab was like, well, I don't want to die. Can you, can you save me at least? And so they did. They, they told her she, her and her family would be safe. It says, now the men had said to her, this oath you made us swear will not be binding on us unless when we enter the land you have tied this scarlet cord in the window through which you let us down. But if you tell what we are doing, we will be released from the oath you made us swear. Agreed, she replied. Then let it be as you say. So she sent them away, and as they departed, she tied the scarlet cord in the window. And the scarlet cord is significant because all throughout the Bible, that represents the blood of Jesus, that he died on the cross and that he made a way for us. So if you are looking for a way out, there is a way, but there's only one way, and that's Jesus. You need to take that way that's already been provided for you. Now, the rest of that story is a great read. Most of you probably know it. If you've ever been to Sunday school, you all sang the song, Joshua fought the battle of Jericho. Please don't make me sing it because I can't. But you know that the walls came. Thank you. <laughs> uh, the whole thing collapses except for one thing, and that was Rahab's place. So if you can imagine, only one thing standing out of all the rubble, and that was her. She applied what God has done as her way out. You don't like the way your story is going? What are you going to do? You might say, if I could just get another job, if I could just get another degree, maybe another spouse. All of these things you think, if I just keep writing my story, if I just keep doing this, if I just keep doing that, that things will get better. But it's not going to. It'll only get darker. I know that's what happened with me. And you might think, what could get darker than being alone and pregnant? <laughs> well, I'll tell you. I think it gets darker when You've given the pen back to God, and at some point in your life, you take it back without even realizing it, and that's that's what happened. I you know I <laughs> I I started going to church after 
I, you know, I had Kasaya, and I, I was in it. I was going to prayer meetings. I, I was all about it. I was a church girl. I was doing it for Jesus. And I met my husband. We got married, had a happy little blended family, and things were great. And then at some point, you know, we, we were going to church. We were serving. We were doing it. And at some point, we just kind of went to church less and less. More things became important on Sunday mornings than church did. But we stopped serving. We stopped giving. And our hearts were becoming hardened without us even knowing it. And then it got worse. We were completely out of church. And my husband was dealing with a porn addiction that I had no clue about. And through the shame and guilt that he had about his pornography addiction brought, spilled over into our marriage and it brought a lot of anger and bitterness. And I took all that anger and bitterness and I was having inappropriate conversations with men. Um, some would call it a, an emotional affair. I don't think I've ever actually said that about myself until today, but there you go. Don't judge me. You don't know my life. <laughs> but it wasn't until all of that darkness, uh, we were probably headed for divorce, I could, I could say. And in the middle of all of that darkness, God came searching for us. And our friend Rocco invited Aaron to church. It was Easter Sunday. And we were like, okay, we'll go. And we did. And we loved it. And we went back. And after... Not long after we started going, it just everything just started to fall back into place. We started serving again. We joined a grow group. We let our hearts soften and eventually learned how to give the pen back to God. And I, I'm very thankful that we have. You know, none of this would have happened. I'm very blessed that Simple Church is part of that story that God has written for us and. And we're blessed to be part of it. You know, the Bible says that God has the ability to turn it around. All our dark stuff, turn it around for good. It says that in Romans. It's one of my favorite verses. And we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. You know, Rahab was thinking, God, just save me. I just don't want to die. Just save me. And God was like, oh, no, honey, I've got way more in store for you. You're going to be one of the great grandmothers of, I didn't do it. <laughs> one of the great grandmothers of Jesus himself. You know, God's, I think she would want us to know God's story always has a redemptive ending. A redemptive ending just means it's better than you think it is. It's not just the forgiving of your sins. You know, giving your heart to Jesus is not the end of your spiritual journey. It's just the beginning. He has so much more. Rahab would have never imagined that. She would have been the great, great. Now, I'm not going to do what Aaron did last week and go, great, 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 great. I thought that was a little obnoxious. But just put, <laughs> I love you. Just put 28 great grandmothers of Jesus. Because the next time that we see her name is in Matthew. And Matthew, 
he lists 42 generations. It starts with Abraham, and then it's his son so-and-so, and his son so-and-so, and 42 generations of grandfathers of Jesus are named, but only four grandmothers. Just four. And why would Matthew do that? Just those four. Because Matthew didn't start out with such a great story either. Well, he was a tax collector. And he wanted us to know that in the genealogy of Jesus weren't all these great, perfect people. You know? Matthew said, Judah, the father of Perez and Zerah, whose mother was Tamar. Now, you can go read Tamar's story on your own. It's in Genesis 38. Uh, but trust me, it, it was a dark one. Salmon, the father of Boaz, whose mother was Rahab. Well, you know her story now. Boaz, the father of Obed, whose mother was Ruth. Now, Ruth, I had the privilege of speaking with her about uh, last Mother's Day. And, uh, you know, she wasn't even a Jew. But she is in the lineage of Jesus. Now, why is that important to know? Well, Matthew, the tax collector, wanted you to know the outsiders can get in, too. David was the father of Solomon, whose mother had been Uriah's wife. Well, that's Bathsheba, we know. And, you know, she was just minding her own business. And David was lusting after her, went and got her, kept her for his own, got her pregnant, had her husband killed in battle because that looks bad. And so she probably had a lot. She was just the victim kind of in that story. And why did God want you to know all of this? Well, he wanted you to know Tamar's story because God will forgive the darkest sin. He wanted you to know Rahab's story because God will use you regardless of your past. He wanted you to know Ruth's story because God will not leave anyone out. And he wanted you to know about Bathsheba because God can heal any situation. God wanted you to know that. He can turn your story around. And the next time you feel like your story is so dark and that it can't be used for anything good, just remember the four grandmothers of Jesus. You know, if, if Rahab had any words of encouragement for us, I would think she would say, let God write your story. And we ask, how? Well, God invites you to be part of his story. You just have to join him. Say yes. He's been chasing you. Just stop resisting him. And if you don't know if that's you, maybe you feel that little race in your heart sitting in your seat right now because I'm talking about you. I've been there. I've been there at the end of service. You know, here at Simple Church, we're just like, raise your hand, we'll pray for you. It's the end of the day. When I went to church, they were like, okay, every head bowed, every eye closed. If you want to say yes to Jesus, just go ahead and shoot your hand up. Okay, all right, great. Now, if you, if you put your hand up, just go ahead and stand up. Go ahead and stand up. We're just going to pray for you. Okay, now, if you stood up, just come on down to the front. We're going to pray for you down here. And I didn't want to go to the front because it was almost lunchtime and it would take a long time to pray my sin away and they didn't stop praying until it was gone. And ain't nobody got time for that. <laughs> Jesus said, I am the light of the world and whoever follows me will never walk in darkness but will have the light of life. That light that he's talking about is what we at Simple Church call the shiny. Be the shiny. 
How do you get that, you ask? Well, I'll tell you. He tells us in Luke. Then he said to them all, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me will save it. God can do so much more with your life than you can. You know, our we limit ourselves. So we, I don't know why we think we can have this wonderful story that we're writing themselves. Because who knows that our mind... You know, we allow fear to creep in, and our mind controls and limits us. I know I, uh, Aaron and I work out with Greg Benning a few times a week, and he's trying to help us out. And I love it. I love to lift. I love to feel strong, and, and I, I love that part of it. And when we go to do squats, I like to lift heavy weights. And so when we go to do squats, I can't know how much weight is on the bar or I can't do it. So Greg just keeps putting stuff on, okay? Let's add a little more, add a little more, add a little more. And he can't tell me how much, how much it is until after I squat it, and then I, I know it's heavy because I feel it, and I stand up and I'm like, how much was that? What'd we do? And he'll be like, 260 was my max. <laughs> but we get excited and we celebrate it, and it's the same way with God. He has so much more than your mind can comprehend for us. And we might not know what that is, but don't let yourself feel limited about it. God wants to surprise you with his love. Just accept him. God picks some of the darkest stories, the darkest people, and he uses them, and he does it intentionally so that you know. Why did God use Moses, the stutterer slash murderer? Why did he use David to write these beautiful psalms that we still sing today? I can't even read them in the Bible without singing the songs that I know that goes with them. He was an adulterer. The two-thirds of the New Testament was written by the Apostle Paul, who was a Christian killer. He wants you to know that because he wants you to know that there's no place that you can go that God can't reach you. <clears throat> We were recently in Honduras for our mission trip, and I, I had a great time. It was one of my favorite trips that I've ever been on. And if you want to hear more about it, I would love to tell you. Just ask me later. But one of the main highlights of that trip was meeting a young lady by the name of Leslie. And Leslie, when we met her, she was the most vibrant. When we talk about the shiny man, she had it. She was up there singing and was just lit up in the good way, lit. She was lit. <laughs> and so I felt like God was telling me to ask her her story, and so I did. And she starts telling me, I had to grab Dia to translate for me because I don't speak Spanish, and she tells me this story about how, you know, she started out in church, and she quickly fell out of church, and you know, the gangs in Tegucigalpa are more than you could even imagine. They, they, they run that place. Police and government can't do anything about it. And she got mixed up with the gangs. She was using drugs. And she, she was abused, which escalated all of this. And she had scars on her arms from where she was cutting herself. She tried to kill herself multiple times. 
She ended up being hospitalized for drinking paint thinner. And I think she would tell you her story was pretty dark. She, she was pretty dark. She felt lost. And it was in the middle of that darkness that God came calling her to rewrite her story. He found her in that darkness, and now, man, it is no doubt in my mind that God saved her for such a divine purpose, and that she is the light shining on those kids, showing them Jesus, helping to keep them out of the gangs and, and out of the mess that, and darkness that is all around them, because it is bad. You know, many times we feel like God doesn't understand the darkness that we're in, but he does. It's, it says in Hebrews that we don't have a priest who is out of touch with our reality. He's been through weakness and testing, and he's experienced it all, all but the sin. So let's walk right up to him and get what he is so ready to give. And this is my favorite part. Take the mercy, accept the help. We just have to take it. We don't have to earn it. We just have to receive it. And he doesn't even stop there. You know, God wants us to love others with our actions. So serve him. Serve him. You say yes, you accept him, you serve him. And once he fixes our story, he wants you to use that to touch others' lives. He, he may be in the same situation that you've been in. Don't keep that to yourself. I got a text message from my friend Brooke, which most of you know, and she was like, hey, do you think that Kasaya could babysit for me? And I was like, yeah, sure, whatever you need. And she was like, okay, great, because I want to go to the prison and share my story with those women. I'm going to go. You know, Brooke, she, she's in recovery. She is a beautiful mother. She has her house. She's, she's, she's doing so well for herself. And instead of keeping her past and that darkness that she went through to, to herself, she's using that to be the hope to the other women that are in her situation. She's been there. And sometimes church people believe that you can't really do anything until you get your act together, until you have it all together and things are perfect. Well, I'm here to tell you that's never going to happen. I mean, I'm still waiting. <laughs> I'm still working on me. And we come up with all of these excuses. I can't do this because of this. I can't do this. Maybe I can't lead a small group because, you know, I have too many problems. Well, the people that are going to come to your small group don't want to sit with someone who's so perfect and has it all together. They want to hear about your problems because they have the same problems that you have, and they want to hear about it. They want to know that they're with people that understand, that know what they're going through. I love when Aaron says, we're on the, in the same hospital. Some of us check, just checked in sooner. God wants to use that darkness that you've been through, and he will use that darkness to bring light to other people. Let him write your story. First John says, this is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. Dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and truth. Actions. Martin Luther King Jr. said, everyone can be great because everyone can serve. I love that. 
We can all be great. Who, who is sitting in their seat this morning thinking, I just want to be mediocre? No, everybody wants to be great at something, and we, we all can be great at something. Serve. Get on a dream team. Join a grow group. Serve others. Love others. 1 Timothy 1.15 says, This is a trustworthy saying, and everyone should accept it. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, and I am the worst of them all. This is Paul, the Christian killer. But God had mercy on me so that Christ Jesus could use me as a prime example of his great patience with even the worst sinners. Then others will realize that they too can believe in him and receive eternal life. But what would he want in return? Just the all honor and glory be given to God forever and ever. He's the eternal king, the unseen one who never dies. He alone is God. Amen. All he wants you to do for rewriting your story is just thank him. Just thank him. He will sign his name to your story. Just thank him. Let's pray. God, I thank you for saving me. I thank you for taking the pen out of my hand and learning to allow you to write my story. That I can't do it like you can, God. You can do so much more. I thank you for guiding me on the steps that it took to be here today with all these beautiful people that I have in my life. I just thank you for the opportunity to stand here today and to talk about a prostitute who became a grandmother of Jesus. God, thank you, Jesus. We love you. And with every head bowed and every eye closed, if you've already accepted Jesus, but you know that God has been asking you for something, telling you to do something, maybe give up something, would you just slip your hand up right now because I'd love to pray for you. That's awesome. Thank you. And now no one looking around. This is that moment I talked about. God might be dealing with your heart right now and you've never said yes to Jesus, but it is just that simple. Say yes. Just say yes by putting up your hand. I promise I won't embarrass you. I won't make you stand up. I won't make you come down to this altar. But just be bold. Be bold and tell Jesus, I'm saying yes to you today. Just do it now. Slip your hand up right now. Amen. You can put your hand down. Church, let's pray together so that no one has to pray alone. Just repeat after me. Thank you, Jesus, for loving me. Forgiving me of my sins. I'm giving you the pen, Lord. Write my story. Help me learn to follow you, Jesus. We love you. Amen.